Jesus, we are yours, God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. It doesn't matter who you are and what you are. He's going to love you. Thank you, God, for loving me.
recognize who you are today, that just and literally your name is everything that we need. And we honor you today. We pray across this room, Spirit of God, would you work in the lives of people in a powerful, mighty, life-changing way. We give you this moment. We give you this time. This belongs to you. And we say, let the name of Jesus, let the power of Jesus and the might of who he is be made known in this place today. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. Well, praise assembly. Good morning. It's so good to see you. Uh, you could have stayed home, right? It's a beautiful day, but instead, you decided to make worshiping God uh, with, with your church family important. So I commend you. Give yourself a hand this morning. You're here. Some of you are like, yeah, whatever. I'm just, you know, okay, I'm good. But anyways, hey, let's take a few moments and greet each other. Bring some encouragement to someone's life today. God bless you. All right. Well, hey, if you are our guest today, 
We would love it if you would fill out our Connect card. It's right in front of you in that seat. If you could do that, that would be a huge help. It's a name, date of birth, social security number, shoe size. Like, it's nothing personal. Uh, but no, if you could fill that out, that would be great and return that to our guest services desk out in the lobby. Thank you very much for doing that. We greatly appreciate it. And we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Just a reminder to our ushers today, there will be uh, a second offering later. Uh, so if you can make sure that uh, that transition goes as quickly as possible, that will be great. Uh, but let's pray as we give today. Lord, thank you for the, the privilege it is to worship you in this way. God, you, you're so vast that you give us all kinds of opportunities and ways to, to worship you. We worship you with our voice. We worship you with our work. We worship you with our giving. We worship you uh, as we look at your word. Lord, there's so many ways, and this is one of those ways that we get to worship you. And I pray a blessing over it, and we are grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. Well, if you got your bulletin when we came in, uh, we have a lot of things happening, a lot of things going on, and that's good. Uh, if you have it in front of you, you look along with me. The Rocky Challenge happened yesterday, and uh, we are going to, you, if you go on social media, our videos there uh, about that day, well, well done. Naya Coleman, great job, and Hope, excellent job. Um, but that's, uh, that's something that, that's there. We did that yesterday. It was a beautiful day. We could not have asked for a more gorgeous day yesterday. And uh, I want to especially thank the uh, Harwoods and the Toronto's. Uh, for going there and just kind of helping us do a couple things outside concerning handing out water and things like that. Great job. And we had our other leaders there, but we had almost 30 of us that went out there and we went up a thousand steps. And it was, uh, it was a thousand steps. Let me just tell you, it was a thousand steps for sure. And it was a good time. Um, and so today, if you had sponsored one of our students or myself, uh, please see them if you forget what that amount was. And uh, today would be, the, would be a great day if you'd be able to put that in, uh, in the offering at some point today. Or you can give electronically to speed, uh, to speed the light. Uh, our bookkeeper, Lisa, will know that anything that's coming in today and tomorrow and this week will be designated towards the Rocky Challenge. So that's something that happened yesterday. What a great, great day. All the students that were a part of that, you did a fantastic job. We are so proud of you. A couple things coming up. Our members class, our new members class, is going to be Saturday, August 26th. It'll be meeting in room 107 from 9 to 11 a.m. So maybe you've been attending here for a while, and you're like, you know what, I really would like to make Praise Assembly uh, my home church. Um, I'd like to get involved and be a part of the ministries here. This would be uh, very much a first step for you. So again, August 26th. Get out your phone now, put it on there, August 26th, membership class, 9 to 11 a.m. If you could do that, that would be fantastic. Also online, there is a sign up there that you can, uh, that you can do at the church website. Uh, September 6th, we're going to be doing a new Bible study on the Song of Songs. It's a new Bible study, and I guarantee you, you've never had a Bible study on the Song of Songs. Probably not in your life, and this is the opportunity to do it. It's going to be a great time. Um, Young adults, they have a house a, a pool party, a house party. Uh, <laughs> woo! It's going to be a wild one. But it's going to be a pool party on the 25th for young adults at 6 p.m. at the Walters house. Also, when you came in, you saw a cart there with a bunch of backpacks. We want to be able to fill those up uh, with backpacks, uh, that cart there. And so this is for um, our outreach to the Wilmington Head Start for kindergarten, first and second graders. If you have any question, Joy's number there, you can text her all hours of the day, middle of the night, she doesn't even care. Uh, but contact her if you have any questions. And again, the due date for that is September 3rd. And for youth, we've got a couple things coming up. Uh, September 1st, it says the 9th, that was my mistake. Uh, it should say se September 1st from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, that is the first night where it's actually our last night for our students that just graduated this past June from high school, this is their last night, a Water Wars night. And it's our first night for um, our, uh, our rising or upcoming middle school or sixth graders. So uh, make sure you are aware of that, parents. And um, don't try to sneak fifth graders in. I will know. I detect that stuff very clearly. But yeah, we're excited to have your students uh, in our youth ministry. And that's, again, September 1st, if you can make a note of that, September 1st. And it's $5, it includes uh, some great food. We've got a water, I mean, a foam cannon, a water cannon, a foam cannon this year, where it just shoots out just tons of foam. We're going to have a great time. 
And also youth convention coming up. Be aware of those deposit dates. Okay, did you get all that? Remember all that? Okay, a lot, a lot of things. We're going to receive our second offering, and this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to be seated in a moment. We're going to play that video, and at the conclusion of, of the video, our worship team is going to play. God bless you as you give uh, to the uh, Convoy of Hope, uh, the Maui Relief. Uh, this video will talk a little bit more about it. Good morning, church family. I wanted to make sure you knew that Convoy of Hope is still responding in Hawaii to the deadliest wildfires the United States has seen in more than a century. As the death toll tragically climbs, Convoy is partnering with local churches to swiftly mobilize relief supplies to survivors who are in desperate need. As our partner, we'd ask you to continue to do two things. First, continue to pray. The harrowing stories we're hearing from Hawaiians who escaped the flames are heartbreaking. They need the presence of God and the kindness of the church. Second, please continue partnering with us. It will take a long time for Maui to rebuild and Convoy is committed to being there for the long term. May God bless you as you continue to work with us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And just to clarify as well, if you'd like to give this morning online, if you go to our giving button, you can do that. Uh, just give towards um, a convoy of hope, or it might say one day to feed the world. Again, our bookkeeper will know that you're giving towards Maori Relief. Thank you.
Amen. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys very, very much. Well, we're on our series, Jesus Said, and uh, it's different than when you, your parents talk to you and they ask you to do something, and they're like, why? Because I said, you know, because I said. When Jesus says something, it holds a lot more weight than what you and I would say. And uh, today, um, we're going to be looking at the book of Luke, chapter 12, in just a moment. And... Uh, <clears throat> You know, lately, I've been kind of a, a poison ivy magnet. Can anybody relate to me? I mean, I, I, I want to blame everything on COVID, everything, just, every, just, just randomly blame everything. But it just seems over the past few years, I've gotten poison ivy more than I ever have in my entire life. I mean, I just, it's like I actually just kind of perpetually have poison ivy. I, I probably have it today somewhere in my body, I don't know, but... It's just like I always have it. And, uh, but because I've had it so often, I've become like, very aware of, of poison ivy and what it looks like. And I've always kind of known what it looks like, but now you know, I, I, I'm a little more clear on it. Um, you know, I know the difference between poison ivy and poison oak, the shape of the leaf. And, and uh, you, know, um, you know, I pay attention now to in poison ivy, the stems in between the leaves there, the stem is red, and that's an indicator. And so I become like acutely aware of poison ivy. And it, it, is, a, it is a disruptor. I mean, it's not a, uh, for me, for some it may be life, life, you know, life-threatening, but for me it's an annoyance. It's always that, you know, and it's kind of, I know it's going to come and I know it's going to go. It's kind of one of those temporary things. And I know what that plant is capable of when it interacts with my skin. It seems like no matter how many layers of stuff I put on, does anybody here get poison ivy bad? Like you're like, yeah, that's me. I, when I get it, man, it's like, whoo, you know. Um, uh, but I know what it can do to me, and, and I know it's temporary. I know it's an irritant. I know it's inconvenient. But Jesus also addresses temporary effect that people can have in our lives. And there, there may be some people in your life that, that interact with your life, intersect with your life temporarily that are, that are an irritant to you, that are difficult for you, that are a challenge to you. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because in chapter 12 of the book of Luke, we often bow down to the demands of these people in fear. And I want to read this passage. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Luke chapter 12, verse 1 through 7. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. And Jesus turned first to his disciples and he warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops for all to hear. And these are the key passages here. Dear friends, do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you 
and then throw you into hell. Yes, he is the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Let me pray real quick. Lord, we humble ourselves under, under your word today. It is life to us. It is, um, it is uh, not only life, but it is light to our lives. And we thank you for the opportunity to hear your words. Let them speak powerfully to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now first, this is, a, this is a serious crowd that's following Jesus. Um, these are a lot of people. I mean, they're, they're trampling on each other. Um, are there any crowd haters here? You're like, man, I just, I could do without crowds. Anybody here? I could really do without a crowd, okay? I mean, even like, and you, I'm not putting these words in your mouth, but maybe in your mind you're saying, I'm telling you, even coming here today was pushing it for me. It's pushing it. You know, there's about 200 and something more people in here than there needs to be in your mind. You're just like, you know, I just, I don't like crowds. I don't like a bunch of people. I, lo I love people. I just don't like a bunch of them together. I like them all, you know, just a few at a time. Maybe that's your, uh, your, your thinking. So the, the idea of a concert or a rally or a demonstration, you're not going to demonstrate about anything because you don't want to be around a crowd. You're like, forget it. You know, I'll let other people do that. I'm not interested. And, uh, you know, I'll have to admit, one, one, of the, one of the things I've noticed in life is, is that the more the years go by, when I'm pressed in in a crowd, how many here kind of freak out a little bit? Anybody? Okay, if you've ever gotten pressed in with a, at a concert or something, you're like, I get me out of here quick. You know, I'd probably start another separate riot from throwing elbows and punches and kicking. Get me, get me out of here. Uh, I used to hate it when guys that I went to high school wrestled and we would uh, we'd just mess around, you know, the wrestlers and the non-wrestlers and, and uh, they'd, they'd pin you and get, the, get where your face is. I, I just couldn't, I just, I couldn't take it. You know, I don't like being closed in that much. A few years ago, we went to the Arch in uh, St. Louis about 12, a few years ago, about 12, 13 years ago. And uh, how many have been there? Anybody been to the St. Louis Arch? And you know the little tram you get in, the little cocoon you get in? Like you feel like you're, you're going back to being birthed, you know, like in this little, this little thing in here. And, and, and then, you know, click, 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 click. You're going like up, you know, a couple hundred feet. I, I don't know if I'd want to do that again today. I did it once and it's, it's done. But it's just one of those things. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And uh, so here's uh, the people following Jesus. And it's, it's getting significantly rowdy. There's a lot of people following him. He is really... Uh, really coming into to popularity, and people want to be near him. They want to receive what he has. Uh, a second thing I thought was, was very interesting, and uh, it's that Jesus, in the midst of this, turns to those that are the closest to him, turns to those who are uh, truly his followers, his disciples, and he gives them a warning. He says, beware, be aware. Do not be afraid. And uh, he doesn't say this to the crowd. He says this to them. And it, and it really, I'll tell you, it really it rings true in life as I've lived my life, talked to other believers, that the, closest, the closer you are to Jesus, 
the more likely you're to be confronted with pitfalls, with dangers and temptations to fear. Why? Why, though? Because trusting God, leading people, stepping out in faith, forgiving people, living by the Spirit is the type of life that the enemy wants to attack and overthrow. And so if that's been your experience where you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I mean, I'm trying to be faithful to you. I'm trying to, to live for you and follow you with, with all of my heart, all of my life. Don't be surprised. Be aware of those temptations to fear and those temptations to, to doubt and all these things that want to assail people that want to follow Jesus. The crowd, on the other hand, he does not address they're not concerned with these matters of faith and obedience. They're concerned in, in these situations and, and in many where Jesus is, is, uh, is teaching and healing people, is their concern is just listening. Their concern is just being fed. Their concern is their own desires, their own needs, maybe to be, even be entertained or wowed, depending on their, their, the condition of their faith. It's like they're just there. It, it's, it's like... It's like my daughter Hope says, Dad, I'm not here for a long time. I'm just here for a good time, you know, and <laughs> we'll see about that. But um, but it, but it's it, is, it really it really is true that the crowd in general, when it when it comes to a life of faith in Christ, oftentimes the crowd in general, people that maybe aren't really committed, there's not a lot of things that they that they have to worry about, they're rather different than those that are closest to Jesus. But the crux of this passage, however, deals with who to fear and who not to fear. Jesus is very clear who falls into these two categories, and I want to take a look at them. But I want to ask the question first, the reasons why we should not fear people. What are the reasons that we should not fear people, or as the Bible would say, man, mankind. And, uh, you know, first, why do we fear people? And I've talked a little bit about this before, but why do we fear people? We fear people because maybe they can expose us. They know things about you. They could say things, and so we might fear them. We fear people because they could humiliate us. They could say or do something, and they know that right thing to say or that right thing to do that would bring... Um, uh, humiliation is, you know, forced humbleness, <laughs> forced humility. And so uh, they, they could do that to us. They could reject us. We could put ourselves out there and they could push us away or blow us off. They could reject us in some way. They could ridicule us, take something about our lives, about our physical features or about our temperament or about our person or our history, and they could ridicule us. They could despise us. To be despised is a very difficult thing when somebody just despises you. They can't even look at you. Uh, and someone, because of your, I mean, there, there, there could be a, a fear that we have of people because what if they know who I really am and they want nothing to do with me? They could physically attack us. You know, how many have, have had that happen in your life where you're in a situation and someone just 
literally physically attacks you. Maybe that's happened to some people here. Or verbally attack you. That can come out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you're just being assaulted with words, and you're like, what in the world? And you're, for, for some of you here, maybe you're quick on your feet, and you can think of things to retort or say. Others of you, you know, you're like, I'm not very quick on my feet with words, and so I just kind of have to fend off the, the word blows and then, and then just kind of regroup and figure out what to do. But they can also oppress us and threaten us. So people have a lot of things that we can, we as people have a lot of things that we can do to each other. Because of that, we can fear people. And, and maybe if you're here today and you would say, I don't really relate to that. I don't really feel like the fear of people or the fear of man is like a thing for me. I, really, I don't care about what people think and... You might say, I don't really care much about people. I don't know. I don't know. You just don't really care. And, and you're like, I don't know if I can relate to that. Well, let, me just, let me just kind of put this nugget out there to think about. Your private life and your public life, are they different? Now, I ask the question, why? Why are they different? What is the thing between your private life and your public life that causes them to be different? And I would suggest this, that it's probably because of the perspective or the thoughts or your perception of what others think of you. So just something to consider, something to evaluate, maybe doing some introspection, think about that. But, you know, that may be a good starting point, discovering that ways fear of others affect us. But fearing man, fearing people, it is a very common theme throughout the scriptures. Uh, it's affected Adam and Eve. It's affected throughout history kings and leaders. It's affected men and women. It's affected every nationality. And it's affected every person and every time throughout history. Uh, an example of someone that all of you or, or nearly everyone here would know of, the Apostle Peter. In the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, Paul calls him out because when he's around Jews, he's acting one way. When he's around non-Jews or Gentiles, he's acting a different way. And Paul sees this happening and he says, hey, you can't do that. You can't do that. And we see that, that part of Peter's life didn't line up. The fear of what people would think or say or do was beginning to impact how he was treating people. And so let's look today at some reasons why Jesus himself gives us not to fear people. Number one, everyone ready? Say, I'm ready. Thank you. So I'm so good you're ready. So glad you're ready. Number one, they are flawed, or we could say we are flawed. They are flawed. The reason we shouldn't fear people over God is because, number one, they are flawed. An example Jesus gives in verse 1 is the Pharisees. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. They're flawed. They're, they're hypocrites. And hypocrisy, I think the reason we hate it so much is that in hypocrisy, someone tries to, to put something or heap something on us that they're not willing to do themselves. So they try to put guilt or shame on us for something, and yet we, uh, we feel like they think we need to do that. And the, so it really is difficult. It's, when it's, when we, it's literally when we're, we're, we're stating or proclaiming or demanding one standard 
only uh, for, for me to live up to something very different personally. I mean, haven't you experienced that before? How many here in your life, do not raise your hand, maybe in your heart raise your hand, you've been a hypocrite before. You've said one thing and you've done another. Or you've led people to believe that you're one thing and then maybe that's your other. I think at some point in everyone's life, you've found yourself to be hypocritical at the least. And when it comes to our ultimate fear or reverence, it should not be reserved for, for people. When it comes to who we fear, when it comes to giving reverence, it should not be given to people because people are flawed. Now, I'm not saying that you walk around in life, that you go to the, the DMV and you go to register your car and they say you need this paperwork and you're like, you're flawed. My pastor told me you're flawed and I don't need to listen to you. So deal with it. You know, we don't do that. We don't go into school students. You don't go to school, whether it's homeschool or online or in person. You don't go to school and say, I know you think this, uh, this uh, assignment's due, but I'm sorry. I make the rules around here. You're flawed. I don't have to fear you or reverence you. Done. We don't live our lives. Like, I'm not telling you to do that. But when it comes to fear, when it comes to who we fear and, and, and really our life choices flowing from that and who we give reverence to, it is God and it is God alone. See, God's, his, the, the reason he deserves reverence and fear is because in him there is no fault or flaw. It's not a passage that's on the screen, but Psalm 1830. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Amen? See, people are flawed. That's why they don't deserve our fear that alters our decisions, choices, behaviors, actions. They're flawed. They don't deserve our reverence, that we hold them in the highest place. As so many times in life throughout our lives, whether it be work or family or here or wherever it might be in your life, God is the one to fear because he's not flawed, whereas people are tremendously flawed. And we don't disrespect them because of it. We don't just willfully disobey them, but we don't give them the fear that the Lord deserves. Number two, they have limited power. They're limited in their power. How many can relate to limited power? You know, you can relate to limited power in your life. You understand, but I don't have the power to do everything I want. Maybe you don't have the physical power to do everything you want. You don't have the social power to do everything you want or the relational power you want or the financial, whatever it would be, but, but we can relate to this in life. See, they're limited in their power. And in this realm of power, they're limited in their action. Verse 4 says, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. You don't have to say it a lot, but maybe some of you here, you're like, Lord, help me if I don't kill them today for what they just did or what they just said. Maybe there's some in your life, you're like, ah, <laughs> you know, maybe that's where you're at with, with a particular person or a situation, person in your family, person at work, whoever it may be. But he says, hey, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Don't be afraid of them. Now, I can desire to do a lot of things, but I'm limited. I can have a lot of desire to do a whole bunch of different things, but I'm limited in power. And we all have free will, but it all sits in this tension 
of God's sovereignty, that we have free will. We can make choices and decisions, and yet God is sovereign, and some people can't live with that tension. It really bothers them theologically. It's very difficult to reconcile both of them, but somehow God does. So if he's able to live in that tension, I believe that you and I are able to as well, and Romans 1 talks a little bit more about that. But Jesus is stating that there may be those who have a plan for your life, they are out to get you verbally. They're out to get your career. They're out to get you in, in various ways or at least appear that they are. And yet they are limited by God's power. But not only are they limited in their action, but they're limited in their impact. Uh, their, their ability to, to create a lasting situation, a lasting condition. It's uh, verse four says they cannot do any more to you after that. So the, the first part of verse four said says, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. And uh, the last part of verse four says, but they cannot do any more to you after that. It's like then then it's it's done. It's like a, a rock hitting your window. How many have had that annoying nuisance happen to you? You're just driving, enjoying the beautiful day. Maybe you're taking a road trip to go on vacation or you're picking your kid up from school or you're going to work or whatever and you're literally minding your own business and all of a sudden, crack, you know? And you're like, I know that noise. I don't even need to look. I know what that noise means. That noise means that I've got to call Safe Light or I've got to do a, do a thing on my phone for my Geico or and submit a claim. And, and you know that when they put that, that gel in there, and I'm, I'm partly speaking, I'm, I'm not, I just want you to know, I don't have a career in fixing windows, um, but, but they put this gel, I've had it done enough, they put this gel in there, and they, they do some other things to it, and it's supposed to stop the, the, uh, the, the initial hit from spreading, and you got to get paperwork for it and all this fun stuff. And so it's kind of like that, that people can do some things to you, but they're limited, they're limited in not only in their power, but they're limited in their impact. It's not going to spread. They, so, so if they kill your body, which I'm not down, I'm not downplaying. I'm not saying, so they killed your body, who cares? But in, in the whole scope of life, in the whole scope of who has the power, and in the fact that our tiny little lives here compared to eternity is super small. That, so let's say the worst case scenario happens and they take your life here on earth. Well, then what they're able to do with you and I is over. It's done. It's complete. They don't have any more power to continue to hurt you later or continue to hurt you afterwards. Their impact is limited. They can do temporary damage, but in the end, they really are, are powerless. Unlike God, whose impact is eternal. And, and this is a hard verse, but this is, this is the truth of it. Verse 5 says this. But I'll tell you whom to fear. These are the words of Jesus. I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power, the ability, the resource, the authority, the power. Because a person that has true power has all those things. They have authority. They have ability. They have the resources. God has the power to kill you and to throw you into hell. This is the type of <clears throat> power that God has. Power to kill, the power of life and death. And again, that may sound intense, too harsh, but he literally has the power to do those things. He literally has the power to do them. And when we're told to fear the Lord, 
There is a reason. There's a reason. The power to throw you in hell, the, the power to sentence your eternity. People can do all kinds of things to us in this life, but they have no power beyond this life. That's an encouraging thing that not only does, do they not, but God does have the power to, tra- to, to transform your eternity. Maybe you're here today, you're not walking with Jesus. And, and uh, I don't think there's probably any question in your mind. If you're here today and you're not walking with Jesus, you know it in your heart and in your head. Like, I'm, I'm not. God has the power through his son Jesus to forgive you and enable you to walk in this life so that your eternity is secure, that your eternity is with him. The book of Ephesians, speaking of God's power, verse 1, 19 through 21, this verse uh, as well is not on the screen. Just want you to hear it. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler, any authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. See, people are limited in their power, their power to impact, uh, their power to take action. They're limited. Even you, you're you're limited in your power and the things you're able to, to do in this life. But God is unlimited. And the third one I have is this. The third one Jesus mentions is that they cannot assign value. People cannot assign. They can try to. They can try to do. They can attempt to assign value to you, but they're not able to do it. Jesus says this. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And then in verse 7, he says this. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now, you can't know anybody more than that. To know the number of hairs on their head. Uh, that's what he says God knows us. There is a tremendous value that he has. As an owner of us, as the creator of us, as the purchaser, they assign value. Uh, people don't assign value to you. You may work for somebody that just, you know, maybe you just don't feel appreciated. You don't feel like they really see all the things that you bring or all the things that you do. But in the end, they can sign a, assign a, a temporary value. I think they're good for this, good for that, whatever. But your true value, only God has. Only God can assign that. You may be underestimated. You may be misjudged or misunderstood. You may be uh, prioritized incorrectly. You might be ignored. These are all things that may happen to you today. But the truth is, is that only your creator, only the one who owns you, is able to sign value to you. You know, I, I think often about our students here at Praise and in our community. And, and I think one of the things that makes me... Uh, a different pastor to them than I was when I was a much younger man is because I've had children and I understand their value. 
I understand what it takes to, to, uh, to have them, what it takes to nurture them, what it takes to guide them and lead them and all these things and pay for them and all these things. I think it helps me because I see your sons and your daughters and your nephews and grandkids differently because I understand the value. It's not that I thought teenagers were, were invaluable before, but I more clearly see their value because I've had to raise some of my own. And when it comes to that in life, we see that God has literally fearfully and wonderfully made us. And when we fear people rather than God, we're saying others have the authority or the right to assign value over my life. And when it comes to raising kids, uh, I have three daughters. And uh, this is the reality. If you, if you have daughters here, you'll understand this. Um, and I have one son-in-law and one to-be son-in-law. Uh, no man is ever good enough for your daughters. I'm just sorry. That's just how it is. We can all try. We can all give it our best effort, you know. But I'm sorry, you're just, you're not. You're not good enough. And, and it's nothing personal. It truly isn't. It's not anything. We don't hate you. We, we're actually your biggest fans. We're, we're excited that, that you're there and, and you've relieved us of some duties and some weight and responsibility. But at the end of the day, you're not good enough. But we love you anyways. We love you anyways. And you can tell me uh, how worthy you are all you want. And it's okay. Don't, don't try too hard. But, um, and, and that's, that's just kind of this because I truly know the value of that daughter. I understand the value of her. And I'm sure my father-in-law thought the same things about me. He's an idiot and he's marrying my daughter. He doesn't know what he's doing and he's marrying my daughter. He doesn't realize the treasure he has and he's marrying my daughter. And, and I'm, I am certain if he were here today, if I could bring him for Virginia to come up, he would say, yeah, he was an idiot. He didn't know what he was doing and all those things. And it's, it's truth and it's okay. But the reason... Um, that I say those things, you know, half jokingly, half not, is, is that they, I, I, I see the value. I've been a part of that creating process. I've been a part of that nurturing process. I've been a part of that, that building process and that training process. And I've seen them at their worst and at their best and all these things. And I, I understand, I understand how valuable that they are. And when we fear people, again, rather than God, we're literally allowing people to rule us and assign value. God knows the number of hairs on your head for men and women. He knows the number of hairs. In your, he knows everything about you. And yet, how often do we fear people rather than him? He is the one that, again, assigns your value. Don't be afraid, he says. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And if I could have Heather come, that would be, that would be tremendous. There's a warning for us today. Don't live in the fear of people. Fear God. Live in the fear of the Lord. The fear of man, says in the book of Proverbs, proves to be a trap. Now, a trap, we don't see traps coming. If we saw traps coming, we would, never, we would never step into them. But a trap is something you don't see coming. It looks fine. This, this, this bait seems to be okay. Seems to be something that I would desire or want. 
And we don't see traps coming, but the fear of man proves to be a trap. Think about your life. Think about the decisions you've made, the choices you've made, the things you haven't done or have done because of other people instead of it flowing from your fear and reverence of the Lord. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43 is the final verse I'm going to read. Many people did believe in him, Jesus. Many people did believe in him. However, some of the Jewish leaders, who were some of those that believed in him, but they wouldn't admit to it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. And this is the key. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. They loved human praise more than the praise of God. And as Heather plays, I want to ask you a question. Is this you today? Is this you? You recognize that God is speaking to you. Maybe he's speaking to you to obey in a certain way. Maybe he's speaking to you to move or take action on something or action in a certain way. Maybe he's uh, calling you to give uh, of your resources in your certain way or of your talent or your ability or there's something he's calling you to give. Could be forgiveness, whatever it might be. Maybe you're here today and you're like, God is calling me to believe, to put aside my doubts and to, and to suspend them for a moment and say, you know what, God, I, 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 want, I, I choose to believe you. I choose to believe, Jesus, who you are. I choose to believe that you're going to be with me in this situation, whatever it might be. But this fear of someone keeping you from moving forward, what someone might think, what someone could do, how someone might respond, whatever it would be, but there's a fear. Maybe the Holy Spirit has literally put his finger on that in your life today and said, hey, are you going to fear people or are you going to fear the Lord? Where are you going to live? The fear of man proves to be a trap. It's something that looks like, okay, that's, it seems reasonable, it seems okay, but it ends up being a trap. It ends up keeping you and I from really the things God has for us. And so this is what I'd like to do. And, and if you would participate, uh, this would be very helpful to you. Is these, these places, and, and I don't know about other churches uh, and uh, well, what they do, but these are, these are multi-purpose. They're stairs to get up here. But they're also places where you can kneel. We have the altars here, the stairs here. I would encourage you to do this. Would you find a place of prayer and say, God, would you revisit the whole idea of fearing the Lord. Lord, you might pray down here and say, Lord, if there's a place in my life, an area of my life, an aspect of my life that I fear people over you, that I make decisions and moves over you. Uh, if you've, maybe this hasn't been you, but if, if you've been a, a boy in your life and you have been afraid of someone and you've crossed the street to the other side, you're like, I don't want to, I just don't want to mess with that guy. You know, I've been afraid of him, so I alter my, I was going to walk here, but now I'm going to walk over here so I don't have to uh, face them. Um, I hate to say I've probably done that once or twice in my life. I don't want to. I'm just going to walk the other direction. I'm going to walk over here. I've altered my plan because of a purpose, uh, because of a person, rather. And maybe that's been you. Maybe you've altered how you're going to live because of people. 
again, fear of the hundreds of things in our mind that they could do to us. But I want to encourage you today, find a place of prayer. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to cry out to God for help. Maybe some of you need to come down and say, Jesus, I want to believe you today. Maybe you need to come and, and, and receive Christ today. But as, as Heather plays, I just want to invite you to come down. Wherever, if I can have everyone stand to your feet, if you would, that would be a tremendous help. Stand to your feet, everyone, if you were able to. Just come find a place of prayer. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We honor you as we come find a place of prayer, as we come find a place to seek your face, to call in your name. We honor you. Blessed be your name. Praise is to your name. Lord, we come to you today. We come to you today, Jesus. Lord, we take up your admonition today to, to not live in the fear of man, but to live in the fear of the Lord. Jesus, honor to you, God. Honor to you, God. You are the King, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for all of us that we will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he that is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything, not only in this world, but in the world to come. We honor you today, Jesus. We recognize you, God. Lord, forgive us today. Forgive us if we have altered our path of life, our decisions, because of people. Maybe we haven't counseled you in, in, in areas and we've looked to people as our, as our only answer. God, help us today. Forgive us. Lord, restore to us today a fear of you, a reverence for you, God, that you are the creator of the universe, God. You are the one who, who put every star in place. You are the one that, that divided the Red Sea and brought your people out of Egypt. God, you are the one who who protected Moses. God, you are the one that gave uh, David power to fight the enemy. God, you're the one who gave Solomon wisdom. God, you are the one who took Paul, one who is antagonistic and violent toward your kingdom and rescued his life. You're the one who did all these things. You are mighty in every way. We recognize you today, Jesus. We recognize you today, Jesus. We honor you. We worship you, God. We do. We worship you. You're worthy of our praise, worthy of our reverence, God, worthy of it all. We honor you today, Lord. Worship to God. Worship to God. Praise is to his name. Praise is to his name. Thank you, Lord.
here today. Lord, we recognize that maybe for some in this room, this has been a lifelong pattern of fearing people. It's become a, uh, a pattern of how we live and what we do. And God, maybe for some here, it just seems like there's no, there's no way out. There's no way out of that. But God, not a person on this earth ever became like Jesus by looking at themselves. Lord, we look to you. So the way out is this way. Is Lord, we're going to look at you, how great you are, how mighty you are, how loving you are, how powerful you are, how righteous you are. We're going to look at you in, our, in, in the word of God. We're going to look at you as we think about our lives and what you've done. We're going to look to you. And God, we're going to ask that you're going to build in us a fear of you. We're going to ask you that you would build in our lives, Lord, a reverence for who you are. We're never going to become like you, Jesus, by just looking at ourselves. It's never going to happen. But if we look to you consistently, regularly, God, we'll find ourselves more and more like you. And God, we're praying that today that you would help us to do that by your power, by the power of your spirit. We're asking for that. Lord, we thank you for uh, this church, for Praise Assembly, and we pray your blessing over it. We pray that you would give us uh, your power to live in the fear of the Lord and to bring change around us in areas that we have influence. God, make us a light wherever we go. And God, keep us, uh, uh, as you warn your disciples, keep us from these traps of fearing people. But we are to fear the Lord, which brings life to us. So today, as we go together into this world, God, give us again the ability to be light and salt wherever we go. We love you. We thank you for this time this morning together, this time of prayer, and we pray your blessing over it. And Lord, we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. If you'd like to continue to pray, you're more than welcome to stay. If not, God bless you as you're dismissed today.